Welcome back to the Earth Hotel. We are committed to intercepting those pesky directed thought pulses, saturated signals, and waves of inky black magic that we all witness currently slobbering out of the armed and reinforced bureaucratic vestibules that have taken it upon themselves to try to surround and strangle our breathing, beating continents. But they are mistaken. They can never really do that. The associates and agents here at the Earth Hotel have found it self-evident that the golden seed of living intelligence at the center of the human creature cannot be stolen or pulverized by forces here or anywhere within the void. The Earth Hotel can offer you walls, floors, swinging doors, and radio receivers only to stay aware and on the ground as we proceed to assemble our highest devices and decide the battle of good and evil within our human chests and ears. As overcome as we are, as we sturdy and singular individuals might feel at critical times, we have faith in the human mission. A young prophet told me out of time, they say the good things in life come to those who believe, so I believe. Mind over body, soul before flesh. Angels hold the pain, keep the record in time, which is passing and running like a caravan trader. The world is overcome with the wealthy and the wicked, but God is sufficient of disposing of affairs, as gunmen and stockholders try to merit our fear. God is sufficient over plans they prepare. We rend our molding veils as the sky is filled with pan, with pandemonium. We suspend our death in the sweet oil of human promise. We thrust our fists against the posts and still insist we see the ghosts. They come. We return, always ready. Semper Paratus. Welcome to this art agenda. Let us wander through the halls and find a common love. Welcome to the Earth Hotel. With that reinforcement of mission out of the way, I welcome you to the fun that we've actually got here. I'm your host, guide, and weird operator, Jackie, and I've amassed a series of sounds, words, and music makings from within and around Birmingham, Alabama. And I choose to transmit them along with my own experiences as a mystical and pragmatic effort to think through the problems I witness in our shared world and propagate the immense talent that I encounter in my wandering through the halls of this metaphorical superstructure that overlays our sweet life here on this weird round little space shuttle. This is an independently owned and operated propaganda network, dedicated to maximum freedom of speech and expression, while we still understand that to be a human basic right and function. I hold no allegiances to any government groups, only to the divine spark at the center of the human machine, and yet unknown potential of our collective efforts and time. This might seem a little heavy-handed for the introduction of a music and art podcast, but if you're paying attention to the information and control landscape currently, I'm sure you're also feeling the capital TF, the fear, the same as I do. And I'm sure the same as the feeling and thinking citizens all over the world are also feeling. It's a group panic. It's a heartful and present danger. It's a collective sensing of the silent digital and magnetic riptide that currently forms beneath us and swirls around the feet of our psyche and our mind. In the coming weeks, between this program and the upcoming episode of our partner show, I Came Here for an Argument, we'll be returning in detail to the particular issues facing us on this front, namely the intricacies and realities of net neutrality, data mining and sale, mass analytics and surveillance, tribalism and population division, and the obvious and invisible forms of thought control which currently threaten to totally ensnare the sapien in us and blind us from ourselves forever. This conflict in which we find ourselves is one that requires a new understanding of personal discipline, of character and integrity, of camaraderie, of citizenship, and perhaps even of holiness. If you're a new listener, never fear. They are not all like this, though my personal focus is being heavily shifted in this direction. The main intention of the show is to send you talented musicking and speaking from people that I meet and I hear throughout the area and the world. 
And since our last episode was all talking, me and my good friend Jordan, this episode will feature a hearty dose of local music and sounds in addition to my conversation with the local mensch and community speaker out of Clever Sense Solutions, Max Rakoff, here in a little bit. In that stead, allow me to take you to the dates of the week to shed a little bit of light on what's happening locally in the viewable future. These are the dates for you. Hi. April 12th, Chrysopia, Transmutation of Black Identity, is an art show that's happening at the Jaybird. The Jaybird is a new location in Birmingham that I am very eager to check out, and so I'm excited to do that to see my friend's art show happen in here. Chrysopia means gold making in ancient Greek, and that is the title of an ancient Egyptian alchemical opus. Uh, it is an art show uh, presenting Micah, Althea, Goldie, Carrie Fountain, D. Horton, Stephen Mark, my friend from Montevallo, Joy Black, Socially Awkward, and Do Re Mi. Uh, I'm assuming Socially Awkward and Do Re Mi are musical artists, but I don't completely assume that. Uh, these are talented painters, artists. I know Stephen is a fantastic painter. He uses a lot of racial imagery. I think he's trying to, uh, I think he's trying to subvert stereotypical or uh, otherwise harmful um, portrayals of black individuals or, or, or black stereotypes. Uh, I think he's trying to subvert those by using them and recontextualizing them. So that's really interesting. Um, I want to talk to him more about his work and see it at this spot. So go to there, April 12th. April 14th, our friend from Chroma Cove, Andrea Dillingham, is having a yard sale. You can find that uh, the information of that on Facebook if you're friends with her and you're in Birmingham. You can go to her yard sale that's happening, uh, I think, all day on the 14th. So go buy her items. I'm sure she will have art for sale at that place. 4.15, I don't know if this event is still happening or not, but I'm going to continue to bump it. Dan Sartain, uh, you can hear him a few episodes back as well. He's a musician in Birmingham. He is having the grand opening for his home-based barber shop uh, over in Highland, and so he is hosting a grand opening cookout kind of thing, and I'm playing that as Carl Sr. That is the act that I did, the dancey improv uh, nature-based springtime act that I'm doing uh, that I did at The Hotness and that I was going to do at Marty's a few weeks ago, so I'm bringing Carl Sr. to Dan Sartain's house if that does not get rained out. Uh, also, on the 15th, Darren Decide and Batito are at the Nick. Batito, Michael Batito, hello. Uh, he's he's a fellow that I know from my time in, in the Birmingham music places. Uh, Darren Decide is outside of Birmingham, I believe. He's coming on the road. Um, and, uh, and Batito and his group are playing at the Nick, so go hear that. I think uh, an upcoming music minisode is going to hold some of Batito's and I think, uh, I think I play with him on some of the stuff that you're going to hear eventually. So find him at the Nick 415. Uh, also, that night at the Soft Rock Bungalow, Road Soda and Spray Tan are playing their music there. I don't know anything about those groups, but it's a Soft Rock Bungalow show on April 15th. So go to that one. Uh, April 19th, Bicycle Day, Alabama Spring Skies is an event that's happening at the Chris and Barry Planetarium in Birmingham. You can see all of the sky stuff that's happening in the spring. As is indicated by the name, I've never been to a planetarium, so I'm very excited to check that out and look at the telescopic view of the world above us in this one. So, going to be there. 4.20, the next appointed hour, Air Park and Frozen Yogurt, our friends, are playing. Uh, that's 8 p.m. Ghost Train Brewery. The next appointed hour, Air Park and Frozen Yogurt are playing there, and I'm really interested to see Frozen Yogurt play a brewery, and I'm, I'm glad Ghost Train is sponsoring that thing. Uh, I think... I think or rather, I'm hoping that they're going to be the brewery in town that hosts all the weird stuff, which would be great. I played there once before with the old paints, and it's a nice little spot. 
the weekend of the 28th, April 28th, uh, the Magic City Art Connection thing is happening. And if you're in Birmingham uh, metropolitan area, you know about the Magic City Art Connection. I can't go into all of the things that that includes because I'm not incredibly uh, versed in that, but there is a ton of art stuff happening. It would take me a minute to go through all the stuff there, but go look that up and go to their website. And there's it's a much bigger event than what I am speaking towards right now. But the Dizzy is playing that on the 28th. We'll be on uh, the stage at 4 o'clock on April 28th for the Magic City Art Connection. The Dizzy. Find them. Hear them. That's us. See us. Hear us. Thank you. May 10th. The Earth Hotel is having a live podcast at the Thomas Jefferson Tower in Birmingham. I don't have a ton of details on this event. It just got set up, so I don't have any particulars, but there's going to be music. There's going to be podcasting. There's going to be discussion. It will be great. 529, May 29th. The residents, our friends uh, behind the eyeballs, the residents, the band, are coming to the Variety Playhouse in Atlanta, so get your tickets now. This is not my event by any stretch of the imagination, but I will be there seeing the residents for the first time live, and God, I can't wait. Um, I would like to do a residence in a, a series of analysis, almost an interview series. That would be amazing. Um, but they don't give interviews because they are an anonymous band that has been breaking every kind of music uh, barrier that they could possibly break since the 1970s. And no one knows who they are, and they keep a mafia-level code of silence around their actual identities. So I seriously doubt I would be able to get a podcast interview with them. Uh, I might try for shits and giggles, but I seriously doubt it. So the residents are playing at the Variety Playhouse. If you don't know them, Look them up on YouTube. Their videos are just as much of a work of art as their uh, entire careers and anything else they've done. So enjoy that. The residents. If you've never heard them, prepare your butts. June 21st. This is a way far off date, but I just got it set up. AV, A-V-I-I-E. He's a local rapper. Apparently he's very good. I haven't seen him yet. Burning Moon, the project from our friend Milton a few episodes back. And Ben Ricketts, uh, a good friend that I've never been able to properly intersect with for this program. And he is coming on tour and he's going to pass through Birmingham. We were going to do this at the Soft Rock, but I don't know what their plans are for the summer. Apparently there's there's movement afoot. I don't know what's happening. I'll keep you updated on the, the doings of the Soft Rock bungalow. But AV Burning Moon and Ben Ricketts and I are going to do a show somewhere, so be attentive to that. That's that's it further in June, so we'll have, we'll have more notes. Uh, I believe the 20th of June, the top shelf just got confirmed for, uh, for another show. I think we're doing uh, an, an in-town show on 620, if I'm not mistaken. I will be back to verify and, and further uh, make those details concrete with the Top Shelf for Alaska, of which I am a part. We will be doing a show on June 20th, I believe, in town. Stay tuned. Uh, that is our, our date counter for the week. It's spread out. I'm sure your Facebook holds a great variation on those dates. I have a, a strange feeling that I'm not getting all the information. Facebook and my rant on Facebook is coming next week. Pull off of it. Uh, we have to prepare to remove ourselves from that. But in the meantime, that's the thing giving me all of the dates that I am pulling from. So forgive me if I missed you out. If you have dates, if you're doing the thing in the city, or if you have people doing things that are interesting and you want them boosted, similar with your own content, send them to me and I will advertise your thing on the show. Thanks everyone for tuning in for the dates, and we'll be back to our normal episode post-haste. Yeah. We're in the month of June, our friend and compatriot in Oakland, Joel Nelson of the Black Power Ranger, Al Qaeda Gun, and Horsey Sauce, the outfits, he's bringing his noise and friends in noise to Birmingham to host his own mad festival with improvisation and high impact musicking. We're spreading the sound across several nights in multiple locations, and there will be details and nuances more to follow once this is finally announceable. It is being planned and being set in order, and we will have more details to come soon. But stay tuned for what I am playfully currently calling Joel Fest. That's a working title. He's going to laugh at that, uh, and that's not what it's eventually going to be called, but I'm calling it Joel Fest for now.
So those are the things that are coming. I'll keep you informed as we proceed, and I thank you for bearing through the much-talking part of our show this week. The Earth Hotel Network of podcasts are varied and legion, and I'll briefly tell you about a collection of shows before we hit the bricks for good. Monday's Bring Us Whose Turn Is It, which is an experiment in tabletop gameplay hosted by four charming narcissists who sweetly teach us to pretend good. They're finishing up their first gameplay campaign series in which the four boys find themselves swept up in a quantum leap-type dungeon scenario by a curious undead magic man they call Mr. Big. Part 3 of that game is going up on iTunes this week, so be frosty and roll your dice on over to iTunes and check them out. Tuesdays, hold mini-sodes of the Earth Hotel, which is this show, if you were somehow wound up here uh, inexplicably, which I typically use to send out extra content or focus more particularly on a particular subject. This jaunt around, I'm taking a possibly painfully close look at the music of Scott Walker, one extended metaphor at a time, uh, part three of my analysis of his 21-minute opus craziness on his last album, Bishbosh, SDSS 1416 plus 13B, Zircon, a flagpole sitter, is that song, and the rest of my analysis is coming out this week, and after that we'll be heading on to much different analytical mini-sode waters. More on that shortly. Thursdays are thirsty, because puns run short late in the week. Beers and Broads is a whole confabulation of two lovely funny gals who sip on the suds and shoot the shit once a week for your entertainment. Natalia owns giant dogs and navigates the odd world of art and festivals and breweries, while Paige is a comedian, consistently pushing local audiences to grateful tears of laughter and moans from the back of the room because they know she's goddamn good at it. You can hear their stories and scoffs on iTunes and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Beers and Broads. It comes out Thursdays. It's the show that's, uh, that's the tits. Wait, I come up with a slogan. Finally, Saturday brings us to the Thunderdome of thinking with I Came Here for an Argument, or ITCHFA for short. It started as a closed Facebook discussion group for a totally open idea exchange, and it has grown into a weekly debate information-type show spot, where we try to tackle pressing issues of the day with beginners' minds and an internet full of facts and non-facts. We talk to interesting people that have viewpoints on controversial issues, and we try to get some information and, and maintain a reasonable discourse, which is kind of the whole point. Last week we took a shot at solving, or at least trying to understand, the gun problem in the United States, and this week we have possibly the least chill 420 podcast that's ever been recorded, as we delve into the criminalization of drugs and what it means to us as a society of free people. All that and more. I rave at the sky and and make things really heavy, while my friends and hosts David and Dylan keep the track slick with jokes and hearty chuckles and fantastic questions. They're good boys. Join us on Facebook or iTunes and get in on the grassy knoll. And that's our show schedule. Obviously, if you're hearing this episode on the fateful Monday, you'll know this isn't always a consistent schedule, as the Earth Hotel is supposed to come out on Fridays. But myself and the new staff members at the front desk are working diligently to make this old thing substantial and solid, so pretty soon the humble podcast game is going to take a big step up, and you can relax and settle yourself into the increasing fidelity like it was always this way. And yes, this will be the last time that I apologize for shows being late. Whether they're late or not doesn't make for interesting radio, so that's it for me, folks. Next up, you're going to hear selections from our friends in Witch's Wall, who include David and Dylan from ICFA, as they appeared over at the Soft Rock Bungalow in February. They play their songs in the basement, including It's Over Now and the eponymous track Witch's Wall. You can stay tuned for them. There's more live footage and studio recordings of them coming soon. They're great. I like them. Following them are our friends in Free Frolicking Frozen Yogurt, as they've appeared on multiple episodes in the past, and yet, now like never before, with words and speaking. They recorded the selection live in which they speak about guns, and gee, what are what are they? What do they do? I'll give you a sneaky peek at the future episode after that and play you a musical companion before we get talking to our guest. And our guest is Max Rykov. He is a man about the community, 
and is involved in so many truly productive things that the fellow should get some kind of gold-plated monthly planner award or something. It's amazing. He's an inspiring lad, and we get right into it a little later on. Thank you heartily for assembling here and fielding those odd words and sound placements that I have. Enjoy yourself as we prepare for a strange and harrowing future. I've been Jackie in the now, quickly Jackie of the past, and I'll send you to Jackie in the future in just a little while. Let's continue, shall we? Continuing is good. Please, let us continue. Now to the time with our basement friends, Witch's Wall. I like that smell, y'all. It's <laughs> good in here. self-titled track called Witch's Wall. Witch's Wall. My pawpaw taught me this song. Yeah, yeah our grandma actually taught it to us when we lived in Wichita. And she's half Choctaw. From Chickasaw. Nope. No, no, y'all. We're talking about her mama. Chickasaw. Wichita. Anyways, this song's about 
This song's about an illusion, which I hope most of you think this band is. Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Ron Paul. My mom. Ron Paul, y'all. He is from Turkey, and he. He's not racist at all. He just wants to have a fun time. Yeah. He's about yay tall. Anyways, we we really been working on that rhyming scheme, and it turns out it's probably better than uh, at least two of our songs. Better than the song. Anyways, uh, this one's called Witch's Wall. It's about shit. Witch's Wall. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's about that illusion shit. You know, it's where you, you think, think there's a wall, but there's not a wall. At all. At all. Yeah, yeah, at, at all. all. At all. <laughs> Gaul. Gaul. I'm tired of playing y'all's ass on that shit. We get it wrong.
gun, truly a gun, without ammunition. Can a gun truly be a gun without that which gives it the power to eclipse the movements of living things? Without ammunition, without power, a gun is little more than a symbol of power that is not truly one's own. In the hands of those who use the power granted to them by firearms to defend themselves and the lives of other people around them, the gun is shield and sword. Of those who would use the power granted to them by firearms to take power from others, to blindly wage war with others, and to close the eyes of other people instead of making them see through their own. The gun is little more than a toy in the hands of a child. that span across the universe. These conflicts sparked between individual people. These conflicts that have echoed across entire planets, entire galaxies, killing countless. It is war that exists solely on the forefront and has, as always, taught the wrong lesson. What power is there to be gained from strength that is not truly one's own? You know, you never notice when a smoke alarm starts beeping, like who's really around for that. Uh, you just kind of come home and it's beeping. Well, it happened just now. Uh, it started beeping while I was recording this and I'm on a roll, so I'm not going to stop it. Uh, usually in the spot of, of an episode, I would do part of my series on the bumper sticker, uh, the bar sticker thing. So when I go to a bar, I will keep my eyes out. My first band sticker that I see on the wall, I'll Google them find their band camp or where, what have you, wherever their music is, and I'll pick a track that I like out of that album, and, and I play it on the show. I don't preview it, and I don't uh, change my mind. I usually take, you know, I go with the first one that I see, so I usually take it fairly seriously and just let it guide us, because I usually don't discriminate much on the show, you know, as far as music goes, or really anything. Um, I'll play anything that you send to me. I'll, I'll read the poetry that you send. I'll, I'll play your music or your friend's music if you send it. Uh, I'm into all kinds of things, and even if it's not my favorite thing, 
I can find value in it, and I'm sure someone else out there might find it to be their favorite thing. So I'll bump that for a moment. If you make music, if you make art, if any of your friends do that, if you write, if you do anything that could be easily transmittable through the internet in any form, podcast or image or video or otherwise, send it over to theearthhotel at gmail.com, and I will make sure that gets on the show and is spread and disseminated. I don't have a huge reach, but there are people that listen to this uh, internationally. So maybe one person finds it and that's their new favorite thing. And that would be amazing. That's kind of the whole point of this outside of the magic and propaganda and, and political uh, fear, basically the fear. Uh, when I say the fear, the capital T, F, the fear, it means the sense of human danger that we all feel living in the society currently because who knows what's happening, but we can have a say in it, can't we? And instead of finding a random sticker at a bar, the first sticker that I intuitively see I actually have a sticker sitting right here, given to me by, I can't remember which of the fellas gave it to me, but one of the dudes in Heavy Children put this in my hand. It is a sticker with their faces on it. So one of these handsome gentlemen put the sticker in my hand, along with their album that was released some time ago, uh, The Heavy Children. They are from Montgomery, Alabama, and they are working on a new album. It's being finished, uh, finished up currently. The last steps are being taken, and that will be coming out soon. So as a teaser for that, instead of uh, an album of someone out in the country that stuck a sticker on a wall... I'm going to play you a song by someone in the state that stuck a sticker in my hand. This is The Less You Know by The Heavy Children, and you can hear them live at the Syndicate Lounge on a previous episode of this podcast. don't recall which. I think it might have been 38 or 39, but look back in the, in the past log, and you can hear more of them and their antics at the Syndicate. That's all the talking that I have scheduled for this episode. Uh, I'm sure next week will include much of my personal stories and rambling, but I'm going to play you out. Thank you.
back when the about me section or your of your Facebook account was more prominent and people looked at it to judge who they who are going to have sex with sure. <laughs> or attempt to have sex with, I guess. Um, but my my favorite quote on there was a phrase, a, a complete sentence actually, that came from my friend on Whippets on nitrous oxide back in uh, high school when we used to destroy our brain cells frequently. Uh, when we did Whippets, we would um, play this game where we tried to form a complete sentence on uh, we were high on the, the nitrous oxide and my friend uttered still what I considered to be just the consummate sentence and that sentence was and what my favorite quote on my Facebook at the time for years was the, the cat went to the store it's something there's something so just pleasurable about that it's kind of like cellar door you know that like yeah um, it's just it's mellifluous, but it's also the cat went to the store. It's got everything you need in a sentence. And to think of that brilliant sentence while high on nitrous oxide is just a, uh, a, a feat. Uh, and it <laughs> demonstrates the uh, amazing capacity of the human beings, their creative potential. And the profundity contained therein. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's also a silly sight a cat can you imagine yeah. a cat going to a store yeah. putting on this little hat and having a wallet s- stowed somewhere yeah and it's like, oh, just... that's cute he has purpose yeah he's like he's, he's accomplishing i feel that way about cats anyway like a, a cat I'll, I'll let i'll let a cat out and they and they're scurrying off to do whatever they're doing and i'm like go have a fun day like good for you yeah it's like they're they're so intent about it and i know that they enjoy it on a level that we don't really enjoy things necessarily like i don't totally... enjoy anything yeah right it's like <laughs> Totally in your element, and that's what your whole thing is. And you're just like, oh, yeah. you can do it. They love napping too. That's great. Yeah, I wish I could be that relaxed. I, uh, speaking of the subject we were <laughs> speaking about previously, I tried to do a whip it like a couple years ago, and I hadn't since high school, and it was not nearly as fun as it was in high school. I didn't enjoy it as much. No, the connotation's very different. We used to go to this place called Tooties, mm-hmm. uh, which. <laughs> which is on green springs that package store and they would sell you they would sell teenagers <laughs> the, Legal drugs. the whole case and yeah. the, the the thing that you open it with and the rubber band and the balloon uh and i think it was one of alexander shinar's relatives actually who ran the place the the famous um allegedly billboard artist which i had this idea i still want to take it to alexander shinara uh who i know a little bit because last halloween i got a group of people to all be Alexander Shannara billboards together. Uh, and we went to his office. A friend of mine worked for him at the time and we talked to him for a while. And my favorite thing about him was he had this water feature uh, in his office. And there's an inscription on the water feature, like out on his patio. It's overlooking the Pepper Place. And it's just, uh, quote, I have a dream, dot, 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 end quote, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I felt it was so appropriate for... Um, a man that works in his industry to have Dr. King's most famous quote. And I uh, told him then something that I had at the time only recently found out was like all um, geniuses, Dr. King was a procrastinator and he was up like all night writing that speech uh, until like three in the morning or something. And he was still apparently scribbling notes while he was waiting for his turn to go speak that day. But the words I have a dream were never written. That was ad-libbed, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, it, it's good. It's good, simple writing. Like the mo- just just repeating a motif. It's it's easy to riff on. Yeah, like that. And he was obviously, you and know. like Dr. King, King in that speech, repeating a motif. Alexander Shinara is he is just a, a repeated motif at this point. That is his existence, it seems. But it it works for him because he's got all those billboards that he runs to himself. I guess I don't know how it works. I don't know what he does for a living. I would love to see him in court. I would. I would just. I'd be interested. I mean, I'm sure he's obviously good at what he does. I, I don't suppose. think he does anything anymore. I think he has a, a fleet of uh, of lawyers who do all this bidding for him. He just works out every day. That's kind of that's what kind of what I'm curious about. Like, if that's the case, then let's give it another year of fame and and send him back in. So the truth is, uh, kind of the industry standard in whatever his industry is, whatever you call that form of legalizing what what do you call lawyering uh they settle like over 95 percent of those cases right so they're very rarely in court yeah yeah and I'm, yeah like like you said i'm sure he has a lot of most most people doing all that stuff like partners in large firms obviously do work but not that work no that, you know. <laughs> no no uh alexander Schnara came up and tooties came up uh i work at city hall and they came up within the the um, confines of that fortress of, of justice and freedom. Uh, Tootie's first because uh, the city council has to approve all liquor licenses and then the ABC board does. But it was written on the agenda as Tootsies. And I knew what that was because where they sold me Whiphead. So I was able to uh, make that correction. And then there was a uh, Alexander Shinara came up because obviously, first of all, he's on everyone's mind all the time. But there was a group out of, well, there's a guy who came from New Orleans who started this thing called the Squash the Beef Hotline. So Birmingham, unfortunately, has um, much beef. It has much beef to be squashed. Uh, there's a group that is this man named uh, Walter Ronnie who moved here from New Orleans who did this conflict resolution hotline thing there, and it really worked. Um, some folks from the Nation of Islam were there just like, going out, talking to people uh, in various neighborhoods across Birmingham, just like asking how they're doing without being threatening at all and giving them like information about jobs, et cetera. But after the city council meeting, when they spoke, I said to Mayor Woodfin, get Shannara to donate a billboard to these guys with that hotline. I was thinking the same thing. So Mm -hmm. hopefully um, one of these days, where you would expect to see an Alexander Shinara billboard, you will instead see the number of the Squash the Beef hotline. The way it works is if you know about a beef that is happening to you or to your loved ones, you call this number and they have certified uh, beef squashers who can uh, who are tra- actually trained in conflict resolution and they'll come try to mediate and squash the beef between the two beefing factions or mm-hmm. parties. Or beefers. people even, yeah, yes. the beefers. And they have a pretty high success rate when they get actually get the people uh, to talk to each other face-to-face. They squash right. almost all the beef entirely. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. I'd support that. You know, we have, we're having this whole... It's, it's always a conversation, right? But uh, the, the mayor has started this um, initiative called Operation Step Up, which is... It has to do with crime, obviously. We have a new interim police chief, and... The conversation around that is, you know, getting cops to get out of their cars and actually come talk to people. But it's interesting where when that group came and 
they're just doing it because they're volunteering and they see that this works because people respond to just like the folks who look like them who aren't in uniform and have a gun on them coming up and talking to them on their front porch versus a police officer. Right. Um, as far as conflict resolution goes. Yeah. And there's yeah. just, and in, I don't know what can be done other than just like decades of good behavior from police officers in this country to curb that. Right. <laughs> but I would much rather support, um, folks who know what they're talking about who are coming with um, a positive attitude actually paying them to do that instead of having more police this man uh, walter told me um in new orleans he was in the calia project which is like an infamous uh, public housing um, community there uh, he came up to this man who was holding a gun and selling drugs he had him on him and just went up to him with love and was talking to him and said you know there's another way said the man dropped the gun and the drugs and started crying. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So just coming to people was like a, a genuine attitude with sincerity and not being a police officer. <laughs> yeah. To meet people it where works. they are instead of trying to make them, well, it might be we have too many laws or the role isn't as well defined as it should be, or maybe our standard isn't high enough for law enforcement and maybe or maybe it's too high and maybe we're expecting too much of one thing out of that job and you know if it were up to me and i'm straight up against guns the existence of them obviously they they're in the world and you can't just like take them all from people and uh make a statue out of a, a peace sign somewhere in jerusalem but i don't think that uh first of all i don't think anyone should have guns and they're a terrible invention they're only designed to be a killing machine but I think that police officers shouldn't have guns just like everyone else, but they should be trained in martial arts as just like a mandatory part of their training to be a police officer is how to physically de-escalate a situation. Right. Uh, if someone is actually coming at you, I want them to be like Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and be able to just def diffuse that through even like manipulating energy and whatnot. I want police officers to know how to break a column of bricks using their hand because they know how to channel energy. That's the type of law enforcement I want to see. Well, it's a different kind of competence yeah. that, that is expected because it's that that's like the only, the only form of self-defense that is necessarily required. Like in, like if you want to be a police officer, you have to learn this kind of self-defense and it's just weapon defense. And the standard for that is notoriously low just in, you know, you can get a four out of 10 on a range and get your, you know, get your uh get your approval and you don't have to retest for for really you know just that's an example in, in perhaps one place but there are that's not characteristic of everything but that definitely happens um so just like stricter training on on how police officers carry guns just to start with you know it's like but it's every it gets polarized just like anything else what do you think about the the operate uh, what is it operation um step up step up yeah yeah, so part of it is getting police officers out of their cars I completely agree with, obviously. I, there's no trust, obviously, being built if you have a, a cop just driving down your street with in their car and not talking to people. They should be on bicycles if it's nice out. Um, but there's also elements, too, that have nothing to do with police officers. So I work for the city of Birmingham, so I and I do communications. So I'm familiar with things that um, I'm shocked aren't available to the public more readily. So, for example, you've heard of broken window theory? No. So, broken window theory is if you have a broken window somewhere uh, in a neighborhood, in a building, uh, that's going to lead to crime because people don't value the yeah. uh, 
the neighborhood and it's going to lead to more people breaking their windows or whatever. And if you right. have a cl- unbroken windows, it's more of a safe neighborhood. People treat it with more respect. You'd call it the punk house theory. Like once you see one person spit on the floor in a, in a building, it's all, it's all done. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, that, that's the mindset. So like any city, Birmingham has um, ordinances around how buildings are supposed to look, what you can and can't do. And we have a lot of dilapidated structures, which lead to crime. Just like that, that's the way it works. But for, I don't know if we ever have had much of it, but the term that's used is code enforcement. The code is the code of ordinances, but specifically around housing structures is what this uh, operation step up is, is going to work toward being more uh, aggressive at enforcing people maintaining their properties and Part of what we have to do is actually educate people about that. And a larger issue in uh, that I've seen firsthand working at the city for the last like nine months is that we don't have any sort of civic education in the slightest. So you learn about like the, there's three branches of government in eighth grade. How much use that has, I'm not sure. But you, you never learn in schools as part of any sort of curriculum how your local government works. Right what you can and can't do, how you can accomplish certain things, which is shocking because really what happens on a local level uh, significantly impacts your life significantly more and much more quickly and readily and apparently than on the national level. Right. And you can get things accomplished. You can get things changed. In a drastic way. Yeah. And it, so if in, it, in the space of what you can and can't do with your property – before we start going and trying to like finding people for this, um, and you have to have some sort of enforcement around that, or people aren't going to take you seriously. Right. You have to tell you what they can and can't do, and that that's another issue of like how do you get to the the folks who are owning these properties who look like shit. Right. Right. And uh, giving them options, and you know, we'll give you the city has procedures. It'll give you time to to work with you to fix up your property where. You know, it's a $500 fine. Our court system would rather you spend that $500 back into fixing up your property than having to just pay a fee. Right. And something that's cool that we're working on, it's kind of a similar issue with in terms of lack of enforcement with parking tickets. Mm-hmm. So almost everyone I know has ever gotten a parking ticket in the city uh, doesn't pay it because there's no... <laughs> There's no like fine for it. Like, right. you, well, you, maybe you'll accrue fines, but there's no enforcement to it. There was a bill recently in, for I don't know how many years in a row this has been, out of the Alabama State Legislature that would attach your unpaid parking tickets to your license tag renewal. Right. So you couldn't renew your tag, but it didn't even come out of committee. So there's still like really no enforcement to it. So there's this company here called Planet Fundraiser. It's really cool. It's a, a tech startup. They just got like their second or third round of funding for like a million and a half dollars. What it is is um, it's a platform, it's an app where they partner merchants with nonprofits. So it's basically that model of you go to the Piggly Wiggly and they ask if you want to donate a dollar to a thing, but like digitizing it or modernizing it. So what all the participating businesses on their platform do is you open up the app, you see like all the businesses on it and they each pledge a percentage of each sale made through the app to a charity or school of your choice. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to get money to nonprofits and to schools, and it's a good way to drive uh, business to to places that are being generous. 
And so what we're, we're working on is a partnership with them and the municipal court of Birmingham, where if you pay your parking ticket, the city will give like 10% of it to a Birmingham city school of your choice. And we're tr- even talking about um, carrying that over to other traffic citations like speeding. Because right now, the city of Birmingham is owed $2.3 million in unpaid parking tickets. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And I don't even, I've never been ticketed for not, you know, not paying the meter or what. I don't know anybody that it, I've never heard offhandedly here like, oh man, I got I didn't, I didn't pay the meter. I got a parking ticket today. Like I never heard that. Yeah. Well, um, and it just doesn't happen. Or, I mean, I'm sure it happens, but it's just not, it's not a part of the city life and that's not a source of revenue for yeah. the city, obviously. So one of the things that the city is also working on concurrently with that is um, just modernizing the way we do parking meters mm-hmm. there's apps like uh, one called park mobile called passport um pay by phone they have all come to the city and presented their um what their companies do which is you can pay for it by app you can uh you can call a number if you don't have a smartphone you can still feed the meter if that's the only way of doing it but every big city has options for this basically and it makes more money for cities people are actually more prone to pay the parking meter fee is much more convenient. So hopefully that will be rolling out soon is just an option. We're not actually going to replace the meters. It's all going to be like integrated into them. Uh, no, it'll just, it'll be app based. You can uh, call so like a number GPS, more GPS based. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So how do you think that, that uh, like, for example, the broken glass theory, like how does that uh, broken window rather, um, how does that relate to, like gentrification efforts, like just to summarize it badly, like putting money into communities to bring money from wealthier communities down so that you know, re- turning, because the idea of, of it is to turn over areas to make them more valuable, to bring money in, to put money into lower stratums of the community and fix yeah. things up is not about, you know, quote, rich people having manicured lawns or whatever. It's about, like you're saying, like having a, a, a good substance to the city's Right. You know, body. So this is the major topic of conversation in Birmingham. The last couple of days have been the stadium thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So which is the BJCC is going through an expansion uh, of its legacy arena where they have like the big concerts and whatnot, the actual convention space, and then a 55,000 seat stadium at the BJCC. Mm -hmm. So that's a $300 million project. And where I'm going with this is Mayor Woodfin campaigned on like neighborhood revitalization as opposed to getting money to downtown and gentrification, the processes that lead to gentrification because you don't, no one's going to campaign on gentrifying anything, right? Right. So people are, uh, a lot of folks who are grassroots people are upset about this and putting money into downtown. This is going to gentrify this area and whatnot. And um, so, one, you can't gentrify uh, a place where no one is living. To, yeah. to gentrify means that people are coming in and pushing other people out. Right. So usually it's in um, poor communities. And what has traditionally happened, right, is like the artists come in and start living there and then it becomes a cool neighborhood. And then uh, property values and rent goes up. And then people who have been living there for their whole lives can't afford to live there anymore. But I think what the more important topic is not that gentrification, it's economic equality and how do we create those opportunities for uh, economic justice. So in all these like social justice conversations that happen, 
I, or even civil rights conversations that the bottom line for all this is uh, economic opportunity. That's actually what creates equality. And there are certain things that governments can do to to lead to a process that's that's more of like a economic democracy versus rich developers making all the money and the same thing is happening in every major city around the country with high rises and uh whatnot and south park did a wonderful job with soto sopa yeah satirizing that yeah but what essentially you uh in this city it's 75 74 75% black city and john archibald wrote a column uh, a couple of years ago um I mentioned that only of all business revenues in the city of Birmingham, only 2% come from black-owned businesses, right. which is a crazy. Yeah. That's it's way off kilter. And so there there are ways you can incentivize people to start small businesses, to be able to start. I'm a big fan of work-around cooperatives. Mm-hmm. There's there's a great resource literally called communitywealth.org that has like best practices basically of, of how you – develop communities economically without it kind of spiraling being, into gentrification exactly territory. yeah 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 there there's ways to do it and there's there's things that governments can do to incentivize things like that and i've seen with uh mayor woodfin's approach they're going that direction which is great they had this almost a thousand people participated in their like transition committees and some of the ideas from that hopefully will, will go forward one of them actually been around for a while uh, connected the the people, with the department, the property department at the city to get a grant for it. So, have you heard of aquaponics? No. So, aquaponics is essentially a system where you're growing, um, you're raising fish and growing produce, and it's just like one system, and the fish poop fertilizes the produce. It's part of just basically urban agriculture. It doesn't take up much space. Mm-hmm. There's a group. Uh, Magic City Agriculture Project that put together this plan for the Smithfield community, which is just basically just west of uh, downtown. It's where like Legion Field is over that way to build an aquaponics training center where the residents there work it. They would be able to eat the, the tilapia is usually what it is and then grow the produce. And then the produce would be, um, be sold, distributed to grocery stores, restaurants, and as a, brand and then all the people who are working there would be worker owners they would um, have equal share of the profits mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this is like a relatively inexpensive thing to do and you can set it up uh, all over and give people ownership over their, their food they're, they're creating wealth for themselves because they're owning the profits so that is where I'm more interested in that sort of development than um, high rises and um that sort of thing, but it takes a uh, it takes a lot of being intentional for it because the, the default is developers coming in and saying we're buying all this up because you have money. So you kind of have to um, have procedures in place where you just like say no, we can't do that. Or, or um, if you're talking about building up a, a city that is over thirty percent poverty, uh, and you you have to be aggressive about pursuing those other options. And in terms of the workforce development is always a topic, right? As what happens in a lot of places uh, that have a lot of concentrated poverty, especially if you're incarcerated and get out. Um, but even if you're just like, let's say you only have a high school degree or you dropped out of high school even. So who's going to hire you? Uh, 
with that and they see you're a high school dropout or you just out of jail. So encouraging people to start their own businesses is one of the best things you can do. And all the conversations I hear about workforce development, um, one of the things I never hear about is um, something me and my, my coworkers, who's a graphic designer and videographer, talk about is graphic design and videography, encouraging kids to do that. It's always, you hear about like, you know, plumbing and being on the trestle, which is great. And you can make a lot of money doing that. But young people now, like they're already playing on their phones all the time. They have like a natural proclivity to that, mm-hmm. making memes. And that's a, you can make a lot of money as a freelancer doing graphic design and videography. You can get hired anywhere. You don't need a specific degree if you can just show that you're doing it well. And everyone has the tools right? They're, or they're much more available now uh, than they were 10, 20 years ago. So that's something interesting, sort of a larger kind of thing about uh, arts education uh, that we have in this city. But I want to see those, those um, two things, investing in start in urban agriculture and then uh, with uh, getting job training programs or providing kids the, the, the space to learn how to do graphic design and videography mm-hmm. as a way to make their own business. Right. Well, I uh, I've got a couple of got a couple of places I want to go with that. One thing is, and it's not not necessarily a response to you. Uh, it's just a and it, <laughs> the arts education thing is very important because you can give you know like fostering that in children and like the the breadth of the skills involved in that and like it's very good developmentally for people to know how to interact with art and draw things from it and do it um but then once it's kind of it's like the the a, a characteristic leftist argument about abortion like well republicans quote only care about children until they're born and then right. once you're born whatever that joke yeah um well it's like once you're an artist we want all our, we, we want to teach all our kids art education but once they're artists in the world uh there's not much, there's not a lot being done to, to maintain artists as a cultural force. And that's, that's not necessarily correct because there are grants. There are a lot of different things that way to say nothing. It's not correct, but, um, I feel like the, that's just my own snarky take that I have no opinion about. It's <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, you want us all to be artists. Well, it's tough to be an artist is my point, but, um, it shouldn't be though. I mean, think about, um, I've worked at an ad agency before and, I'm always shocked at the prices that advertising agencies charge mm-hmm. and they're all bullshit and inflated right. and, but they all have clients. Right. Well, so it's very you, easy to do art for something like it's easy to do art for a business, but to do art as a business is, is, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult, it. but yeah. there are resources uh, available that teach you how to run a, the business doing that. Totally. Like, yeah. I think pairing. I guess. I guess my point is like pairing those two things together. Oh, absolutely. A, I've never been thing. to art school, so I don't know how much of a, the business side of it they teach. But for people in Birmingham, we have a good resource here. I've, I've been through. It's a class called Co-Starters mm-hmm. that uh, Rev Birmingham and Create Birmingham put on together. And I think it's the best thing that they do. It's a ten-week small business class, and they basically teach you everything you would teach, learn in business school right. in a condensed period of time. You're with a cohort of other entrepreneurs who are in various stages of setting up their business from like they've been in business for a couple of years and some of them are just thinking about what they want to do, but there could be something like that specifically for creative industries. Right. Or for like visual and graphic design, videography, photography, etc. Cause I have plenty of friends who are uh, professional photographers full time and basically just like taught themselves how to do that. Sure. And, 
you know, there's there are like best practices you can teach people with that to make it work. Uh, and but you can you can take the clients from the big ad agencies, charge a smaller price because you have like no overhead and still make a hell of a lot of money. Right. Yeah. That's if what, the process that's is kind of laid out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about that. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my my uh, self-deprecating humor into an awkward shoehorn. So that's kind of your like wheelhouse is. Uh, like you work with the awesome foundation you work with all that's that's something you seem to be very interested in is like uh the world of moving resources to other people in order to do specific things in the world yeah so the awesome foundation is in it's all over the world actually and i found out about it a couple years ago and wrote to them about starting a chapter here in birmingham and they connected me with another woman who from Birmingham, lives in Atlanta, started the Atlanta chapter, and so we started the Birmingham chapter together. And what the Awesome Foundation does is it grants $1,000 a month to a community project. Um, and that money comes from people each giving $100 a month. And they call them the trustees, essentially the board, and they vote on the projects. Last year, we started in, started in January 2017. We had 10 people. We've grown to 16 people now. And people submit their ideas and it takes like five minutes to do the application and you don't have to be a registered nonprofit to get this grant, which is the only thing I've ever heard of like that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's another model called that started in Detroit called Detroit soup where everyone comes to this event with $5. You get a bowl of soup and a piece of bread and a vote and people pitch their ideas and whoever gets the most votes wins. Uh, hmm. But the awesome foundation is it's really cool. We've, had such a broad range of winners we've had a group who does makeovers to young women in Birmingham public housing communities when we've had Ruffner Mountain win uh, for their nature programs my favorite was a young lady uh, named Ava Davis who's a, a senior at Indian Springs where I went to high school and she made a bus shelter in Woodlawn it's there right there on um, Georgia Road like past where the like Woodlawn Cycle Cafe is uh, and really beautiful structure and even now made a book about how to do this and it costs her a thousand dollars to do it and it costs way more for our transit authority to do it and this is much more beautiful and appealing and that solves a real issue because there are so many bus stops in the city that are literally just poles in the ground which is insane right uh, there should be every single bus stop should be a shelter that's covered that has art on it too and Wi-Fi. You know, you make the space better, but you, that intensifies the experience of living somewhere. Yeah, the, the, I'm very interested in that kind of thing. And I, I feel like, and it's hard to systemize this kind of thing. And, and I'm sure you, you can relate to that. Like you can put this in place and this like one node of, of progress, just to call it that, like, you know, a, a foundation working like that is, is turning out, you know, self-sufficient entities that produce other things that pay off dividends for yeah. people. You so know? what I actually am trying to get to, um, and before I forget, this year we moved to a different model for the Awesome Foundation where we vote on the top five and then we have a public event where everyone who's in attendance votes on their on the favorite and they all the finalists are pitching their ideas and there's a Q&A session. And the, the next deadline for the grant, we do this monthly, is April 13th. April 13th. Mm-hmm. And we will have the event on April 30th at the Thomas Jefferson Tower downtown. But Links below. Yeah. What I think the future of government is actually looks like that. Yeah. And in 2009, President Obama 
started Office of Civic and Social Innovation in the White House and called mm. for cities to do this. And San Francisco and some other cities have adopted it. And I'm trying to push for us to start this. And the the mindset is basically crowdsourcing solutions to problems that historically only the government has addressed. Right. Because there are plenty of brilliant people who have great ideas and know how to solve these things. And if you just give them a little bit of money to do it, a challenge kind of thing, there's a great thing called challenge.org. Sorry, challenge.gov. It's actually a government thing. I'm surprised, I doubt Trump even knows about it or else he would cut it. Well, they, they offer prize money to come up with these like solutions, these kind of big problems. But something like the Awesome Foundation, right? If we use that model and, and say, here's this pr- one particular issue, how do we solve it? You apply for it, they get that money. If it works, you can put more money into it and scale it. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can yeah. save a lot of money because you're in an ideal situation which is never an ideal situation because you're not operating in a vacuum. You can stop doing the things you were doing before that, that are much more expensive and aren't actually solving whatever it is. Because they're replaced, like molting, instead of trying to break the thing and, and you know you grow out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, what I'm I think the future that. of government really is. Yeah. And th- the world is way different now. It's com- completely different now in a, kind of a fundamental sense of how connected we all are than when the processes for governments were established. Yeah. They didn't take into account the internet. They didn't exist or the fact that there would be transparency or that, you know, just everyday people have great ideas and can solve these things. And the, the world is like that now. Yeah. And well, we've started filling in all the details, Yeah, you know, like the, those lay out good guide guidelines. Like that was one of the first systems of government to say like the individual is, to a good way to divide society up is like everybody's good at at various things and it's like the opposite it's almost like inverse communism like you or 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 communism inside out like the the state like the government is is there now to support in in your and i i i love that ideal like i love that um your, your thought that that's the future of government is that the government is there to promote and support the individual's own capacity to reinvent the government and continue the the process right. and that's kind of democracy but the decision making like i love the detroit detroit soup thing yeah like anybody with five dollars that wants a simple meal can decide on how to promote or how to yeah identify a problem and solve it and that's yeah. like that's that's fantastic yeah it's a great way to build community as well yeah uh, right because everyone it's participation yeah, yeah. So what do you think about, I brought up in my conversation with Alicia Dawson, like the university system, we've kind of found a, a funnel problem with it where you, you you specialize people to do, like obviously you need specialized uh, people for like being a doctor, you know, in highly specialized fields, you know, right. um, but as as a way of giving people purpose and giving people a way to go about a specific way of life like we're gonna uh, i'm i'm a kind of person that could do these things i'm gonna learn how to do that right. well and do it yeah you kind of over specialize people so that in learning how to be a teacher you develop all these different skills and you're educated in 40 percent of them but then all of that is devoted to being a teacher and so if you decide you don't want to be a teacher you're not accredited for any other skills that you inherently right. possess being that well i the same thing with with universities and in all schools on, on every level is they the world is a completely different place than the, when those systems were put into place right yeah so i went to the university of alabama 
I was in like all these basically just liberal arts courses and my major was a program called new college you design your own major yeah and the one thing it did which is what you should be doing with students from kindergarten uh is teaching them one thing is how to think right right i've obviously got um tapped into a, a awesome network of people and it's interesting there's there's an organization here that i volunteer with I have an intern from actually called the Birmingham Education Foundation. They work in Birmingham City Schools to get them ready for whatever the next step is, whether it's college, military, or workforce, whatever. They had last year an end of the year event where they heard from five kids who um, were seniors last year and either in college or doing something else right now. And I asked them a question, I think it's a panel event, or what did you learn through the Education Foundation that you wished you had learned in school? Mm-hmm. And all five of them had the same answer, which was how to network. Yeah, just how to basically make your way through the world, build relationships, and uh, do whatever it is that you want to do. And they don't teach that that particular uh, skill in in schools really as like kind of a fundamental part of their curriculum. But in terms of like being specialized, yeah, you need if you're going to be a doctor, I want you to train to be a doctor. Right. Uh, but that can be its own separate thing, isn't? I don't know. Universities are cool because they are. Uh, a place where young people are just like all learning and trying new things. Like there's merit in that in of itself, but that's how I just think any good community ideally would look. I could probably do the exact same thing uh, I'm doing now without having gone to college uh, without like, if you remove the networking part of it, right? Uh, because my personality is kind of a self-starter and I'm interested in things, but if you can cultivate that uh, with people, you don't, you don't have to go to college. I don't think everyone needs to go to college. Even uh, some people, not at all, if they don't want to, they can go to a trade school or just like graphic design thing or find what they want to do and, and do it. But if you're a, yeah, if, if you have a specialty, be trained in that. But I don't know how you can um, best teach people how to think at when they're already at college in a way. You have college freshmen, I hear from my teacher friends like UAB. It's like lack critical thinking skills when they're college freshmen, right? Because they've just been like regurgitating things. There's their no problem whole solving in it. Career, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so I, I think problem solving is yeah, thinking critically and learning how to solve problems are the two fundamental things that you need to learn how to do. And ideally, everyone should actually have a basis of a liberal arts cultural education. Yeah, cultural education from the, the beginning. Thing. Yeah, learn learn the classics and learn how to be people from all the people that were people before us. Yes, one of my I wanted to be a, a teacher as one of my first majors in college. And there's this documentary that I love that I've seen several times. It's called The Touch of Greatness. It's about a school teacher in upstate New York, late fifties, early sixties. His name is Albert Cullum, who was an actor and he like didn't make it as an actor, so he decided to become a school teacher so he could have a captive audience. Yeah, right. The, he taught classes all the way from kindergarten to eighth grade. And the documentary is a 50-year anniversary of one of his eighth grade graduating classes just coming back and talking about their experience. They had great archival footage of, of him. He would teach kindergartner Shakespeare. He would turn his classroom into just a, a playground. He would, he would teach them the classics. Uh, they would have all sorts of games and activities where his kids, his students couldn't wait to come to school the next day. He started the Youth Shakespeare Festival in New York, which still exists to this day. Oh. I'm always blown away by it, uh, and I cry every time I've seen it. The testimony of the kids and how much of an impact he had in their lives because they all learned how to think from the very beginning. And he had pushback from the other teachers, like teaching them 
Shakespeare at such an early age, they won't get it, but they got it. Yeah. Because when you introduce wisdom and beauty of our whole human species and tradition. Yeah. You teach them at an human early mission. age. They fall in love with that and yeah. that becomes their foundation. But if you wait until they're in college for that, I don't know that that's going to stick. And it might at some level, but if we're teaching them how to think at that age, they can do whatever the hell they want to not even have to go to college if it's not appropriate for them. Like LeBron James, I always tell people <laughs> LeBron James never went to college. He's doing well. Yeah. So <laughs> that is what should be fundamental in, uh, in schools. And also, the best school system in the world, Finland, uh, and I know I realize a completely different demographic of people, but they spend the least amount of time in the classroom. Yeah, I think pretty much all learning, especially in elementary school, should be project-based learning, like yeah. worksheets, all that type of bullshit sitting behind the desk. That's crazy, especially trying to get kindergartners or first graders to sit behind a desk. That's like they're not designed to do that. It doesn't train your brain to accomplish things necessarily either. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's strange. Like we. I've never disliked my existence for a longer period of time at one time than when I was in school. Wow. Like, Why is that? Just because it was, it, it wasn't, I, I didn't engage with it at all. Like I, uh, the, I wasn't getting that feeling of like, I did something that matters last and is important. Like none of that. Yeah. It's like, if I learn things, they're secondhand and, and there's no causation between this and anything that is happening in my life. It was a distraction from life that didn't enrich me in any way, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, teaching children to be that engaged with just being a person and, like, to love existence and to be curious about existence instead of train them for, for, like, 12 years or however long you were educated for to dread thinking about things or making it a task that defines them and is laborious to them, you know, or you're, you're a student, you know, like, what, are you, what do you do? Well, I'm a student. Well, what do you do? It's like, well, I'm going to be a student until I'm this thing that I'm going to train to do. Okay, but then what are you about? It's yeah. like, well, yeah, it's, and that's like studying culture is how you make people love people. Yeah. One of my biggest life goals is to start a school system. <laughs> yeah. Or at least to, to, to try it out at some like summer campy type level uh, of what I think should be taught through like, let's just say like a, a month curriculum, but it's completely holistic in its approach. Have you ever thought about like mentoring? Like doing like groups of, uh, uh, like I know I know a guy that or he he takes groups of young troubled men into the woods and teaches them like hunting skills and outdoor skills. Have you ever thought of doing anything in that kind of? I took a group of men out to <laughs> I hunting skills. I think we'd all be dead in about <laughs> half an hour. Uh, yeah, I'm involved in a number of um, mentoring organizations. You do so many things. <laughs> I have a young lady who's uh, um, she's my intern, quote unquote. She's a senior at Winona High School really sweet young lady who is essentially my, my pupil now uh, learning about local government. Her, her baseline is like um, not what I expected for but be able to give her like things to do independently, mm-hmm. but it's great because she's learning about government, how things work in the city and how to get things done, whatever it is that you want to do. And it's her spring break right now. She is coming to City Hall every day because she wants to be there because she's so interested in it now. Yeah. She just basically spends two hours a day with me. We're walking around. We're talking to folks. And we're having conversations, asking her questions or opinions on things and uh, kind of pushing her. So uh, it's essentially a mentoring uh, relationship at this point. And I'm trying to restart in a kind of a different format than City Hall, a youth city council program. Uh where it's basically the kind of the awesome foundation model leading up to it, you interview kids, but um, or high school 
juniors and seniors, you give them a budget, they're learning about an issue, and then once a month they're coming up with a project how to address that. They would actually have to go to the city council and get it approved, which hopefully would be a formality at that point. But when you get kids at that level, at, I think that high school is appropriate for that kind of level of things. Um, to get them actually, give them things to do, uh, and they could fail, that's fine. Uh, yeah. But let them well, try it. At give least. them enough responsibility to do something, and yeah. not too much. To you can fuck everything up. Because yeah. that's why that's why I hated school. Because it felt like a waste of time. Because nothing I did was in uh, nothing I did was important. You know what right. I mean? Like and who I, the fuck cares if you get a do a worksheet or or whatever a test or even a, like a diorama is kind of cool. But the the best class I ever ever had uh, was my senior year of high school. Was play production where we had yeah. to. Um, direct cast produce everything a one-act play and the play i chose as a theaterly absurd play that i i chose because i read it which one it was called the bald soprano uh, i just talked about that really on my last yeah on uh yeah it's kind of a famous yeah. theater of the absurd play by eugene Inesco. i read it while i was on <laughs> i took lsd one night when i was in high school <laughs> and was reading it I was like this is fucking hysterical yeah uh but the experience of doing everything with a project was amazing because fortunately I didn't fail. It was a, it was a great show, but there was something on the line, and I was like completely invested because this was my thing, and I was responsible for it. Yeah, and people were coming to watch this thing. It had meaning. It had meaning, and it was. I'm always amazed by when kids uh, express this utter like hatred of group projects. Yeah, when they're in school, there's always like oh, a group project. Your whole life is going to be like after you yeah, get out of school is going to be involved in group project in some form or another. Yeah. And I was like, why Why is that the case? Because we're not teaching them apparently how to deal with other other people. The interpersonal well, communication skills, like what you have to have in a group project. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great kind of corollary to government is like if you don't have – if you don't all have the same values, if you're not even reading from the same book of values, you don't have to be on the same page. But – if you're not anywhere close to each other in terms of what you want, what you expect, and and how much you care, and why, then you can't get anything done. Because there's the there's the cliche of the one person that cares a lot about the group, and then everybody else is just slacking off, and that one person ends up doing all the work. Right. Um, Which I think, by the way, the plat the messaging platform Slack is be called that because yeah. I've never <laughs> been uh, I've been on many group projects that people tried to. Imp- employ slack on and it's always one person or maybe two people who are on it everyone else does not do it in the slightest they just slack off on it and they default to email which i think just works because slack is essentially just email yeah well it's that's because competency will rise to the top in a lot of different ways just because if you put four people in a room and one is competent and cares and uh maybe another is competent and doesn't care and then the other two are neither then that one person is going to end up doing it because it matters to them and then they do it well and then they don't work with those people yeah. anymore. And the trouble is when you get two like alpha kind of leader personalities in the same project. Yeah. Uh, one of them just has to be the vulnerable and just let, you know, let it happen and not try to have the, um, all the right answers. Yeah. Both those people have all the right answers, you know, in their minds. But that's also a skill that people can learn is my girlfriend told me this wonderful bit of wisdom where powerful people know when to be silent yes you know it's really easy to yell and scream but uh all the time and be heard but there's an appropriate time to just say nothing but that is a discipline 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you say something, whatever it is that you say is not going to end well. But it takes a lot of self-restraint to, to be silent and just like listen and just like just take in the moment and consider it for your next step later. Right. Yeah. If you learn the discipline to be silent, then you also learn the discipline of how to make your words count when they, when they do happen. That's, mm-hmm. a, I guess, a good way to get into speaking speaking the truth yeah. as often as you can. So I want to, uh, we're getting around an hour here, but I want to ask, how do you manage to do all these things? There are only so many hours in the day. I have no idea. And I, yeah. Uh, what are some I personal time management I, tips? I have none. Uh, I don't advise it. I need to start saying no to, to things. I don't think I'll ever get over the impulse if someone comes to me with something interesting or I think of something interesting to not just say yes to it and figure it out. To this point, I'm young enough that it hasn't become an issue too much. Although I did go to the hospital recently, so maybe that's a wake-up call for a. Um, I think it was related to just just run all down this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe instead of time management, because most of the things you do, I, I feel are are they're they're person driven, they're interaction driven. Yeah. It's not like you're filling out paperwork. 20, you know, about, right. uh, over and it's not a rote thing. How do you maintain not just passion about something, but uh, a consistent energy? Like, how do you, how do you stay that engaged? Well, with yeah, because I get energy from it. Yeah. Uh, I'm very extroverted by nature. And sometimes I have to kind of re- retreat back, but rarely I get energy from, from people. And my ideal circumstance is living in just a cooperative community where we're creating our own culture, where cooking together, making up skits and musicals and all sorts of stuff, but and coming with, up with creative solutions to stuff in, in our community. But until I get to that point, that's just like anywhere that I find. I have lots of different communities, uh, and they all intersect. And Birmingham's an interesting place because it's uh, it's so small in a way. Like everything is connected within one or two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. And the things that I do, and what kind of drives me is making those connections to those groups because it's it's just fascinating to me that when the right two people meet each other, right two groups meet each other, anything can happen. And it's mm-hmm. amazing to see what can happen. And that's what keeps me going. That's what's interesting to me is one of like human relationships, uh, building a sense of community. In a, that's, people use that word all the time um, to get to it. To get to a sense of what I understand as a community, what's dear to me in that that meaning, <clears throat> is a group of people who inspire each other and hold each other accountable and have some sort of shared underlying system of values. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I, I feel people should live, and I think you should actually live in the same kind of space with each other. I want to be part of making that happen wherever I, with whoever I come across. Yeah, I don't know. They're just like always opportunities. If I, I think I've just put myself out there too much everyone just like asked me to be get involved in things and um i said no recently to something that's good which was great i felt very proud of myself um but well you you worked uh, with the burlesque just out of the goodness of your heart for a good time yeah that's fun to me because i would rather um i would rather uh go and participate in something and i i don't have uh that much of a, a role to play you know it's like roller derby is like yelling and screaming into a microphone and being uh when that side of me comes out it's silly and it's fun but i would rather participate in some, something and be an active participant in some capacity 
than just go and attend and watch something. Right. That's an easy way to do that. Yeah, it really is an easy way to plug in. And if I feel like I can make the experience better for people, uh, I hate do. when I go to an event and I see a really like a charity event or something, there's a bad MC, just like some guy's friend or like this boring TV like anchor. Like it makes it so much worse. Well, you have passion. That's the whole, that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. It's just you're, you're invested in it and it matters to you. Like it, and it, it has meaning and it has value to you. And I don't know, you're an admirable fellow. I met you a couple of years ago through friends and I've known you in passing ever since. Well, you know, we don't spend a lot of time together or anything, but whenever I'm burlesquing you, it up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm always, I'm always glad. I would love to have you back on to talk about all the everything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you're listening to this and you live anywhere around Birmingham, Alabama, I would suggest a couple of things. The first thing is doing your taxes. Important. April 17th is the deadline, apparently. Although I believe you can apply for an extension. The other thing is there's two days back-to-back that are cool events. One is... On April 20th, 420, Adolf Hitler's birthday, it's the 50th or something annual green tie affair for the Alabama Environmental Council. That's at Sloss Furnace. The Alabama Environmental Council, AEC, they're the ones that have the recycling facility out in Avondale. Mm -hmm. They recycle twice as much. Last year, they recycled twice as much as the city of Birmingham. We need we need them, so our city has become a trash heap. The day after that, there's another cool uh, event called Chucks and Tucks. It's a fundraiser for a mentoring organization called Growing Kings. They mentor young black boys in Birmingham City Schools. And the event itself is called Chucks and Tucks because you wear like formal clothes and then Chuck Taylor, the Converse All-Star mm-hmm. shoes. And they have a design competition for um, for kids in Birmingham City Schools that design their own Chuck Taylors and they're auctioned off and it's just like it's just a fun event but uh, Growing Kings is a really wonderful uh, organization and uh, I'm all for as much mentoring and taking uh, Birmingham City School students especially boys for folks who care to take them under their wing and uh, give them some attention and love because a lot of them don't have uh, positive male influences in their lives and it's really important for a young boy. So that's a really cool uh, organization and event. Uh, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll scoop all the links, uh, everything that you've referenced. I'll, I'll have a place to find all that information. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jackie. Whatever you're going to hear next, it's next. Cheers.
like there, boy, your vision stay true. Cause you know if the devil gets in, he'll walk in your shoes. My sons, you know what I'm speaking of. Just don't do what I'm speaking of. No. a different name to blame my sons you know what I'm speaking of just don't do what I'm speaking time and it's up to you this is your life you make the rules my sons you know what I'm speaking of just don't do what I'm speaking of this is your time it's your time this is your time it's your Keep those evil dark wolves away. Have a vision, but don't you stray. Keep those evil dark wolves away. Have a vision, but don't you stray. Keep those evil dark wolves away. Have a vision, but don't you stray. Keep those evil dark wolves away. Have a vision, but don't